And thank you all for your giving. What a wonderful testimony. Thanks, Dennis. Um, praise God. Okay, we are going to go old school today. <clears throat> and um, in the pew in front of you is a black book, and it's, uh, it's called a Bible. And so whether you have uh, uh, your electronic device with your Bible program in it, or if you want to utilize that, we're going to look at a few passages of Scripture today. And um, I, I think it's good for us to do this every now and then this way. Uh, I, you know, it's so great. <clears throat> like on my phone, I have this wonderful Bible program. And since word search kind of went defunct, and many of you, including myself, were studying on word search, I never really liked the, the Logos program. I blessed them, but I didn't really like the Logos program. So I've relied more on a, on a I'm going somewhere with this, um, on a program on my phone, which I also have on the computer, the same program. And... I'm just able to study the Word in depth wherever I am. And um, I was thinking yesterday how far the Lord has allowed us to come. And all those years ago, we didn't have that resource. You know, when I was training for the ministry, we didn't have computers. We had to go to the library. We had to get these big volumes and search through them. Remember that, Rose? And if the person, another person had the, the one volume that you were needing, you just had to wait till they were done. And it was just frustrating to no end. And it was painstakingly long to, to research anything. But I'm grateful for those days because it really did uh, allow me to become familiar with a lot of different uh, stratagems for study, but we are blessed to be able to just, boom, you know, you can do word studies, you can look at all kinds of different things just on something that most of us carry around all the time. And so um, I, I'm very grateful for that, and I'm in no way demeaning anybody who has an electronic device that you're going to be looking at. But I was going to, we're going to begin at 1 Corinthians 14, verse 12. As I said, this is really a rhema word that the Lord was just impressing <coughs> upon me. And um, I am, I am, um, I almost did what we normally do where I keyed on a certain word and printed out a bunch of different verses where that word is used. And that's very that's very illuminating, but you can do that very easily just with your own electronic uh, study tools. And um, in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 12, the Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, Even so you, for as much as you are zealous of spiritual gifts and it's not pneumaticos, but it is the plurality of pneuma. So he's been talking about pneumaticos things in uh, particularly these three chapters in 1 Corinthians. And so he, he's just using a common root to say you're wanting the deeper things of the Spirit. And that's why he doesn't use pneumaticos here. He used the plural of, of pneuma. Seek that you may excel to the edifying of the church. Now, I've read that verse many, many times, and, and I love all the Word of God. I love this incredible gift of what Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, which over and over again, no matter how many times we study it, the Spirit shows us something new, uh, a, 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 a way that themes are connected or something that in God's timing he's never allowed you to see before. And I've read this verse many, many times, but just something about it kept, kept filling my spirit 
yesterday and early this morning. And I would say that all of us as saints are desirous of knowing the deeper things of God's Spirit as He shows us in His Word and leads us in. I think we would all say that. And we are, we are zealous for that. And we need, to, we need to ask God to continue to stoke that zealousness uh, for the deeper things of, of God's Spirit, that we would know Him in a, in a broader way, and that we would, we would keep learning of Him and learning more about His ways. I, I believe we all would say that. And so Paul says, I know that you're zealous in this way. But as you are that way, seek that you may excel to the edifying of the church. Now, this word excel is, is what the Lord really hammered home for me because it means that you have an abundance of something. In fact, you have so much of something that you don't know what to do with all of it. This word was used to describe when the miracle of feeding the thousands were there, and there was such an abundance that they filled many different containers afterwards, God just gave more than enough. And there are many, many examples of how this word is applied in the New Testament, but everywhere it's used, it describes this plethora of supply. And I believe that when you, when you read this verse in the original, it says that um, it was seeing that you are going after the deeper things of God's Spirit and you want to know Him more, you recognize that, um, that you, uh, as you look and you're searching for these deep things, because that's tied, the seek is tied more to the pursuit of the Spirit. When that happens, you're going to have an abundance. You're going to have a pressed down, shaken together, running over of, of understandings. And you're going to, you're going to have just a, a, a table full with pantries full. And, and you're, you're, going to, you're going to say, wow, as I've sought desperately to know God in the depth of his heart, in the depth of his spirit, Look at all the things he's given. Look. It, look, it, it's all around us. What are we supposed to do with this? We're to sow it into the edifying of the ecclesia. I think this verse is, is so profound in describing what all of us have been privileged to walk with in God. Because when, when all of us really as believers accepted the calling of God to take a different step than what we had perhaps envisioned, but it was ordered of God, our heart was only to know Him more, wasn't it? Our heart was only to seek Him and to find Him. That's what it was. We weren't asking for anything other than that. I know, I was here with you, and I remember that. But what God began to do as we did that was to fill us with incredible bounties of understanding, incredible depth of, of uh, exploring the Word under the tutelage of the Spirit of Truth and gaining experiences in intercession but also in ministry that further illumined the way God's ways are communicated to mankind. And over and over again, uh, line upon line, precept upon precept, God has just been filling us up. And what are we to do with that? Well, we're supposed to do two things. We're supposed to edify the church. Now, what does edify mean? You remember this. We've studied it. Oikodome. It is an architectural plan that then is applied to where something that was, first of all, theoretical, and then scoped out, mapped out, planned out from the foundation of the world, and point by point, that begins to be built according to plan. 
That's what edify means. It doesn't mean to make somebody feel better. It doesn't mean to brighten up your day. It doesn't mean to say, oh, wow, you know, just take account of yourself. You know, count your blessings, even though those are good things to do. This is an adherence to the plan of God, both for our lives, because again, when we speak in unknown tongues, that builds up. Uh, we're, we're, we're allowing the Spirit of the Lord within us to be um, building up the things that God intends us to be. And as we looked at in, in what we're teaching uh, in Jude, there's, a, there's an extrapolation of that word oikodome that means when you pray, you, you, you build up your most holy faith when you pray in the Spirit, it means that you are adding on levels to the oikodome that's already there. And I think that's an amazing thing. So edifying means that you are identifying through the directive of the Spirit what God's structure is, what people need to be building in their lives, what they need to be doing to serve and to, and to experience the ongoing partnership with God. That's what edifying is. And it's an edifying of the ecclesia. We've studied that one too, and we've recognized, thanks be to God, that the ecclesia is not what we often thought it was when we were kids in, in growing up in the church. The called out ones meant, well, we're all going to come into first whatever church, and we're going to sit here, we're called out of the world. But the ecclesia in the Greek culture was there's a decision that needs to be made for this nation where democracy was first founded. And so we're calling out those that are specified as leaders in this country. We're calling you out from your place of banking. We're calling you out from your place of managing uh, your harvest fields. We're calling you out from your place of training for war. And you're all to come together to convene and say what should be done. What Darius has raised an army. They're coming against us. What should we do? And that's what the ecclesia is. So God has given us, just look at this. God has caused us to hunger for the depth of his spirit, for the things of his spirit, to search to know the unsearchable riches of Christ, to be before his, before his throne and to learn of him and to apply as as uh, sons and as those that will serve under him, the things and the ways that he is conveying to us. As we do that, we are added to. We have such supply, just pressed down, shaken together, running over. We are have an abundance of that. As every miracle that Jesus did in the Word, you, you very many of them are have this Word attached to it because it's it's that you may have life and have it more abundantly, that you are just overflowing with the good things of the Lord. Why? Because we're seeking Him. We're walking in the Spirit. We are, we are being led by the Spirit. And, and so we say that, and what are we to do with it? Just sit around and say, man, you know, look how smart you are, Elizabeth. You know, look, hey, look, look at look at the big brain on Stacy Meggs. I mean, is that what we do? No. We say, what has God given us? What are we to do with it? Well, there are people over here that are called to be the ecclesia. There are people in this country, there are people in this continent who, according to God's divine plan, have been ordained from the foundation of the world to do this necessary work, to stand in this gap. And they all need training as to how to be the ecclesia of the Lord. They all need to have that strong measure of, of, uh, of being built up in order to, to know God, to seek the things of the Spirit through the, through the, the wonderful uh, foundation of God's eternal Word and, and to function as that governing body of, of joint heirs with Christ. This just really got a hold of me yesterday. And it's just one of those things, and we've all been blessed to have it happen, haven't we? Where the Spirit just comes really 
in an enlivening way on a certain scripture, and it's just it just ignites in you. And and so I was looking at some uh, just a couple of other instances of this word. But before I do, I wanted to, as we've just clarified uh, what this this 12th verse means, I want us to look, since we're saints, at what we as saints are supposed to be doing. Ephesians 4, verses 11 and 12. You can turn there. Some of you have it memorized. I know, um, well, I remember memorizing this in, in Sunday school, even before we believe that we're still apostles today. <laughs> oh, I don't know about the rest of you that makes me happy. Um, first, uh, Ephesians 4, verse 11, he gave some apostles and some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. For what? For the perfecting of the saints. Now, this kind of cracked me up because I'd never really looked at this before in this way. But do you know what perfecting means there? It, it kind of means you are, you've got something in position, but then you recognize that you've got another component that's coming in, so you've got to reposition it. And then these two, now that this other component has been added, it really needs to be moved over here so that when it begins to function, it sets the stage for these other parts. It's, it's a moving uh, process of, of construction. Uh, I was uh, reading the other day, uh, I, I like to glance over this uh, now and then, there's an app called the Babylon Bee that the New York Times says was right-wing propaganda. But they talk a lot about things in the church. It's really, it's really funny. And they, they had a, an ad uh, this past week that said, um, a new, new chapter in the book of Job discovered in ancient Babylon. And, and it said, it, it had this long thing where archaeologists had discovered uh, a, a hidden chapter of Job, and it, it happens, it, it shows clear more clearly the the types of suffering that job had to experience and it said this chapter is right after his wife told him to curse god and die and what was hidden that's not been seen until now said that uh, his wife told him that she expected him to have that ikea coat rack uh, cons- uh, put together but within the next couple days <laughs> And it said this reveals one of the one of the greatest challenges uh, that Job ever had to face. <laughs> and I thought that really is funny because if any of you ever had to put together anything from IKEA, uh, some of you it's, you're just whiz bangs. You can do it, but there's always some piece that doesn't fit just right, or it doesn't go in all the way, and you think, okay, that'll be all right, and. Uh, you don't have the tool you need, and I just dread going in there. I certainly dread my wife bringing anything home from there. Uh, but I thought that was funny. So what does that have to do with this? It speaks about putting something together and being willing to improvise and follow the plan and to stick with it until it's actually exactly where God has ordained it to be. That is the perfecting of the saints. And boy, have we not experienced that over the years, haven't we? I mean, just about the time you think, okay, thank God, this is just a wonderful thing you've given us to do. And you begin to do it, and then God adds something else, a good thing. Uh, it's, it's like when you add a, a new baby to the house, which has not yet happened in the Arroyo household any day now. But, um, but that, you know, that's going to, that's going to make all of us reposition, including you <laughs> and you. So, um, but the perfecting of the saints is that willingness as God is using us or as intercessors to, to partner with him as intercessors to see his eternal plan brought into a point of clarity and application and restoring that. Um, this perfecting 
of the saints through the fivefold understanding is is there. And and I'm I'm very, very grateful for that because we're we're living that now. We're being adjusted again in order that we can take the things that God has poured out upon us and sow them into the edifying of the church. For us as saints, we are we are continually being perfected. We're continually being adjusted. We're continuing to change as we follow the Lord, which is, again, what John the Baptist said. As he said, you know, as, as he is increasing, we have to decrease. I mean, we have to become whatever he needs us to be, elaknos. We have to, we have to slim down or expand in accordance with what he demands. That is the friend of the bridegroom. That is what the voice of one crying in the wilderness does as we're preparing the way of the Lord. So that whole concept sews together here through the fivefold understanding and the, the offices that God is utilizing to do his work for the perfecting of the saints. And then, again, you know this, the work of the ministry is the next thing. And boy, it's work. It's, you know, I remember one time uh, when many years ago I've mentioned this, uh, when we first started to say, you know, the Bible says that when you're praying in the Spirit, you need to interpret. So you need to be paying attention to what God's illuminating in your life when you're praying. And there were some who aren't here anymore who said, oh, I don't know about that. That's work. We just, we, that's exactly what they said. We don't want to work. We just want to experience the Lord. Well, you know, if any of you have been before the throne of God, you know that how glorious it is. When you emerge from that, you're going to do some work. That's just the way it is. Uh, God doesn't have any trophy wives. I mean, we are, we are doing the work that is, uh, is a joint airship with the Lord. And so the work of the ministry is there. And guess what? It's for the edifying, there's our friend again, oikodome, of the body of Christ. So once again, those two verses, 1 Corinthians 14, 12, and this fivefold, um, this fivefold um, doctrinal position says basically the same thing. You know, God gives you these understandings as you're partnering with him, and you apply them uh, in, in function, and as you're doing that, you're going to sow those things into people who actually have an interest in following the plan of God and who are willing to be his voice in conjunction with that plan. Now, you would think that everybody wants this. Um, I, we, we know from as we've studied the Scripture and we've looked at this over and over again that the saints are part of the church, but... Not everybody in the church is willing to do the work of the saints. I'm not casting aspersions. I'm just saying that's true, which is why the Apostle Paul, when he's greeting the churches and the other writers, they put a clear line of demarcation between those who love the Lord, those who are part of that functional body of Christ, and those that are willing to go deeper uh, and... Um, uh, who, who are willing to partner with God in that unique responsibility of seeking him as, as saints. And so um, not everybody is willing to be the ecclesia either. I mean, some people are afraid of it. And I, I, as a pastor, I'm not condemning anybody. It's just like in work. I mean, if you're, if you're giving responsibilities to people, isn't this true? If you're responsible for people, you've got a job to do. Don't tell me you don't think, well, you know, I can't, I, I can use this person here. I really can't use this person here. We do that, don't we? And it's not that we don't love people. We just assess in, in a gift of administration, this is what we have to do. And, and so not everybody is willing to be that one that's in the middle of the night is going to be called out to do warfare in the gates or to take a stand and hold that stand where God has planted you. God loves everybody. Not everybody is willing to be a son or an heir or a joint heir. They're in the family. 
We've seen people in, in our families. You know, I've seen people in this church, you know, where, where one son is dependable and strong and is doing their diligence to be an upstanding representative of Christ, and another son who's in the family is just, you know, a good person, but you can't really trust him to do much. Does that mean that the father doesn't love them both? No. But you have to recognize this is the way it is. Not everybody is going to be behind a pulpit. We ought to all be apt to teach. Not everybody is going to be uh, willing to, to go into a midst of a crowd of people and uh, not know what you're facing and, and just go at uh, an obedience to what God has asked you to do. Does that mean God loves that person? Does God love Billy Graham more than he loves uh, somebody that cleans the church uh, just as a gift to the Lord on a Saturday night? God loves us all. And Billy Graham, I remember hear, hearing him reading a book where he said that very clearly. So it's not an issue of, oh, you know, I'm going to be this and you're only that. It's every part of the body, even those that are most uncomely, are, are honored. Seems I read that somewhere. And uh, this is what we must be. So, but we as saints need to recognize that our message in the deeper things of the Spirit through the Word of God is not something that everybody is going to stand up and clap and say, give me more. Some of them are going to say, like Peter said to, in his epistle about the teachings of Paul, Man, they're deep and they're hard to understand. But the, like the church in Ephesus, give me more. I'll take it. So we are being led by the Lord in nations all over this world to those that are wanting to stand as ecclesia, who are wanting to fulfill the plan of God. We meet a lot of other people and we love them and we bless them. But God is is really shown that our responsibility is to edify the ecclesia and that's what we're doing so one of the reasons he's given us this abundance is for this purpose and the other reason is because it's something that as we've walked with El Shaddai he's taught us and that's a great treasure it's not just head learning this is an experience. Lord, I remember that day when you told me this. I remember that moment and how applicable that was. And because I applied what you shared, I not only learned the letter of, of, as it is written, but I learned how it applied. And that's the best kind of learning, isn't it? That's the best experience. All that Jesus began to do and to teach. And we experience these things with the Lord and that is an abundance. Our coffers are full. Our treasures are, are everlasting and eternal in walking with him. And, and so when we recognize we have that, we then sow that. And I'm so very grateful for that. Okay, still have your Bible out? If, you're, if, you're, if your uh, device went into sleep mode, pop it open again. And let's look at uh, 2 Corinthians 8. Verse 7. It's like an old-timey sword drill here. 2 Corinthians 8, 7. Therefore, as you abound, there's our word, in everything, in faith, what's happening at the right hand of the Lord, in utterance, we have so many, we have so many opportunities to speak. It's, it's amazing. In knowledge, Thank God for his understanding. In diligence, we, we have to stay that stick-to-itiveness in the spirit. Keep pursuing those paths that God has said, this is what I want to explore with you. Diligently seeking him and it. And in your agape to us, see that you abound, there it is again, in this grace, in, in that path, pathway of grace, in that pathway of reaching forward and reaching upward. And I believe that's 
the main reason that the, the table of the Lord, which many of you have been partaking of every day, um, that is called the table of grace, the Eucharistia, because God wants always for us to be pressing forward. The last verse in the Bible is, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Grace, mercy, and peace to all of you. It always begins with grace. So we have to abound in that. But look at these things. And tell me if you don't abound, if God hasn't chosen to make you abound in all of them. Are you abounding in, in faith? Are you abounding in speaking forth, in intercession and, and, and in teaching? Are you abounding in knowledge of him? Are you abounding in diligent pursuit? Are you abounding in agape? Well, abound in grace also. Keep pressing forward. Be contented in the Lord, but don't you keep on being a pioneer. Keep on being a pioneer. I remember Peter Wagner many, many years ago. Uh, we were at a conference uh, in uh, Oklahoma City, and um, they were talking about um, territorial spirits and things that uh, govern different nations of the world. It was very informative. George Otis was there, and I, I really appreciated that, that, um, that training, uh, that exposure to that, that paradigm of uh, spiritual understanding. But he said that, as, as uh, Wagner, as he said that as he went and taught a lot of places, he recognized the same pattern that our country experienced with the pioneers. Uh, people, people were explorers, and, uh, then, and they were scouts, and then they were pioneers, and then they were city builders. And once city builders start happening, people would focus on the place where they were, and there was not the propensity to keep moving forward and being pioneers. So he said, you're going to have to decide whether you want to be a pioneer or whether you just want to stay in, in the city where you're in. And to me, you can have both. It's a Peretz and a Peretz principle. We, we can be here and we can hold forth this place that God has given, but we need to keep being willing to abound in grace. We, we grow in grace. We, we must keep doing it. So I speak an abundance of grace for us. That great favor, what God showed me in, in that dream. Great megas favor. Great grace upon all of us in this year. Help us, Lord, to walk with you in that grace. Two more passages, and then we'll give some thanks to the Lord and uh, in our singing and whatever else Katie may direct us to do. Let's look at Ephesians 1, verses 8 and 9. Ephesians 1, 8 and 9. Wherein he has abounded toward us. Oh, that's the, that's, the greatest, that's the greatest thing of all, that God would abound in us, that, that we would be just having the abundance of his presence all around us. That's the, that's the treasure of all. But when that happens, we also have wisdom and prudence. Wisdom is really knowing where God wants you to go and his timing, where not to go, where not to go just yet. That's wisdom in the Old Testament, and it carries over into the New. But what is prudence? Prudence is, um, is that ability to be able to discern and to, to be able to see through a thing so that you understand clearly by a, the diagnosis of the empowerment of the Spirit and in combination with the Word and the experience He's given you to be able to, to openly see and understand something. So I don't know what you think, but when God is with me, I want to come away with wisdom and I want to come away with prudence. I want to be able to know, yeah, Lord, give me a proper assessment of this thing. I don't want to have innuendo. I don't want to have any measure of confusion. I want to be able to see through it and, and know Having made, verse 9, known unto us the mysterion of his will according 
to his good pleasure which he purposed in himself. Uh, this Ephesians, man, this is a this is a an amazing, amazing letter. I mean, it's just amazing because it keeps on going. We'll just read that ninth verse. But we need we need this abounding presence of the Lord. And uh, he's been and is so rich with us in that way. But we should never take that for granted. And we should continue to hunger for more of him because you won't find him unless you seek him with all of your heart. And we've, we've got to keep our heart crisp and ready to, to go after him. But with that, we're going to have wisdom and prudence. That, that abounding treasure is, is to be ours. And uh, it's so that we can accomplish the mystery of his will and please him because he purposed this in himself. Now, this is talking about the this is talking about Jesus. And we reiterate that Jesus is is God. I mean, the 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 Trinity flow point of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, he's all one. He's not three separate individuals in, in divine form. Neither are the seven spirits, seven uh, seven types of angels. I mean, it's all it's all God, but in this capacity, it's talking about Jesus, and He's our elder brother. We walk with Him, and it says here that He purposed this. He purposed it in Himself. This this dimension of sonship in God is something that is part of God, and something that. In all of his structure, in all of his ordaining things, in all of his planning, when he comes near to us, he wants to give us the, the benefit of his wisdom, and he wants to sharpen our discernment, to sharpen our ability to, to be able to see through some things and to analyze under the directive of his spirit what's, what's really there. But it's for the purpose of accomplishing this thing that he purposed, that he ordained. And, and, and I think we need, to, we need to recognize the depth of this calling that we've been given in God. So the final verse is, I made it easy for you. You're probably, you know, you're probably worn out from turning all these pages. Um, you haven't been in practice. You've been using your finger poking on things or using a mouse. Uh, so here we are, uh, Philippians one, it's the very next chapter, just a couple of more pages, and then you can rest your hand. Uh, Dennis got that trigger finger already, so he's ready to keep turning, but the rest of you may be a little bit tired. Um, Philippians 1, 9. And this I pray, that your agape may abound. There is that superabundance again. More and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that you may approve things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense to the day of Christ. But here we have this abounding uh, deposit of the agape, uh, the, to breathe hard after the purpose of God. And through that, tell me if this doesn't sound exactly like what we just read in Ephesians 1, 8, and 9, that we may uh, more and more understand knowledge and judgment that we can discern by the directive of the Spirit and to be able to see a thing and, and know. Now, this isn't in all things. You're not going to be Johnny Know-it-all, the great Karnak. You know, you're not going to be any of that. Some of you have no idea who Karnak was. Dennis does. He's memorized some of those routines, I'm sure. But the old Johnny Carson routine. But... Um, but we need to, to know that when God descends upon a certain thing, we need to be able to, to, to gain from the Spirit that kind of discernment to be able to see through a thing and to have an understanding so that as we walk through it and guide others through it, we're not hit and missing, you know? And, and I believe God wants to give that to us. It's what He wants. But we need to have that abounding of the agape.
So we go back to the first verse we saw, which was really the, the entry point into this rhema expression that we're blessed to be able to share together in God's Word. We are a people who have been blessed by God to seek Him in, in spirit, to be guided by the spirit of truth into all truth. And through that, to have a, a pneumonicos type of an understanding uh, in that partnership with God, to have knowledge and judgment, to have wisdom and prudence. Those things come through this abundance and this presence of God with us. But we need to recognize that specifically this year of the saints, we as saints have a responsibility to take under the direction of the Lord and his guidance those superabundant treasures that God has given and to sow them into the structure of the Lord that he's ordained for the ecclesia throughout the world. And we need to remember as well that the saints are to be a people who are adjusting in obedience that when God gives things, we put them together, and then when he adds things, we adjust in his tutelage. We put those things together, and we're willing to work. We're willing to work at it. And our end objective for him is to make disciples. Go you into all the world and make disciples in all nations. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to all the world for a witness, and then shall the end come. This is our job. And it's not some pie-in-the-sky thing. We're not talking about things that maybe, maybe coulda, shoulda, it'll happen. It's happening right now. We're being, we're, I think we all know this, and I just keep saying it as a thanks to the Lord. The, this privilege is a burgeoning responsibility in front of us right now. There are people all over the world now that are hungry for this, and, and they're making inquiries, and they're studying, and they're saying, we want more. It's kind of like going to Tammy's house, and, and she's got all the food over there in the, on, in the kitchen. I'm not inviting myself again, but she watches that plate, and as soon as it's empty, she's wanting to give you more. Well, these people are asking for more. They're, they're asking for more. And this task is, is such a wonderful privilege. But guess what? It is exactly what the Scripture says we, <laughs> we're reaping because of this pathway that we've been willing to walk in God. And I think that's wonderful, don't you? So great favor is upon you. And I speak the blessing of the Lord to every one of you as this is happening and it, can, it, it exponentially grows throughout this year, God is going to be quickening parts of you that he put in you from the foundation of the world. God is going to cause things that maybe have been dormant, waiting on the timing of the Lord within you. It's going to breathe life into that. And, and I pray that in each one of those junctures, the Spirit will carefully guard over you and help you to walk into a, a point of, of service. Anytime, anytime the purpose of God is personified in your life, you have to be careful because iniquity could have been languishing there. That's just true because iniquity is twisted purpose. Anytime God begins to take you forward in grace, you need to be careful lest a root of bitterness springs up and not only defiles you, but defiles others. Anytime God begins to give you more authority, a demonstrable authority, and, and more responsibility, you need to be very careful because absolutes corrupt. And so you have to be careful with that. Whenever purpose in, is moving forward in grace, you have to guard over the potential of pride and bitterness. That's just Bible 101. And so I speak as great grace is upon all of you that the Spirit of God would guard over us. See, the nice thing about it is that you've, you talk about these, uh, these variants of, of uh, COVID. And uh, how many variants have you had? There's even 
ones now that um, I read that they found in one person, but they didn't think it was going to spread. And they put a couple of, attached a couple of letters to it. It's almost like the LGBTQA plus A1, you know, all those letters. And so they've got so many variants now that they're running out of names for them. But I think that the, the, the scourge of bitterness as grace has been developing, all of you are battle-hardened. You've overcome and you've stood and you haven't fallen away. And so that builds up some kind of resilience in you. And I'm not worried about any of you stepping into the, that kind of bitterness. But it's just something that you need to be aware of and not be, not be um, ignorant that, oh, I didn't think it could possibly happen to me. You've got to guard yourself. Search me, O Lord, David said. And try me. See if there be any wicked way in me. Purge me. Uh, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit in me. Make sure that steering wheel of my life is not corrupted with a bunch of nasty fingerprints or, or any kind of uh, potential to jerk to the right or the left. And make sure my spirit is open and communing with you. You know, again, I'm finishing now, but Mark that down. That's the first time I'm saying finishing, Debbie. You keep track of it in this message for me. Um, but don't tell me how many times I say I'm finishing. Uh, I'm just joking. Debbie doesn't do that. I'm just playing. Um, now, we have to be so careful that we keep praying in the Spirit every day. I mean, it's, it's so important that if for no other reason that the Bible says that our spirit prays when we speak in an unknown tongue, to keep that deposit of the presence of God that Christ gave his life so that it might be born again in spirit and truth. We need to keep that expression flowing, and we need to, we need to keep praying in the spirit for all the other benefits that the word speaks uh, are ours as we do it, but we need to keep that functional flow uh, happening between the spirit within and the spirit of the Lord. And we, we need to, nobody's going to, you're not going to have a, a, a tongues coach that's going to be calling you every day. Okay, how many minutes did you pray? Uh, you know, how'd you do it? Um, did, you, did you take a breather in between? Did you, did you wait to hear from the Lord? You know, you know how to do it. You have to do it. I have to do it. And listen, it is so easy to, to have such responsibilities, and you think, oh, yeah, Lord, I love you. I'll spend time with you later. Um, so many times, especially on Mondays and Tuesdays, where I get up and I, I come in here, and I know I'm going to spend hours in the booth, and then even Wednesday, and I've been studying the Scripture, and I've been communing with the Lord, and, and I think, I'm telling on myself now, I think, okay, God's been speaking to me. I've got these scriptures. I know I'm supposed to speak this. Got to get all the equipment up and running. Got to connect with these people. And, and I think, well, I'm doing the work of the Lord. You know, I've been hearing from him. I've been talking to him. But I've not been praying in unknown tongues. <laughs> and I need to do that every day. I need to be built up. I need to be moving in grace. I need to be having his spirit speak through me. I need to be having all of those other things in the word uh, that, uh, that, that happen when I'm praying in tongues. And, and I know, you know, for instance, the last, I forget what it was. It was a two weeks ago. I had three different sessions that I was supposed to teach back to back to back. And then I had a meeting with pastors and I knew I was going to be up there for five hours. And I got in here and, you know, I, I'll just be honest. I came through the sanctuaries, nobody in here. And I was doing a couple of quick Hail Marys, you know. Thank you, Lord, for letting me have the opportunity. to Thank you for great favor. I'm saying all these good things that the Lord has shown. Thank you for the opportunity. Oh, bless, Father, these different groups that 
you have arranged to have this message brought to. And I went through it all, and I thought, felt pretty good about myself. Thought, yeah, I've prophetically prosucate all of those things. Boom, 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 boom. Things that the Spirit has shown me. And I got up there, and I finished the first thing, the first session, and then I thought, okay, I've got a couple minutes now before I have to connect. I'm going to run down, visit the boys' room, go get something to drink, and get back up there. And I was coming through here, and I felt the Spirit say, are you thinking about praying in the Spirit anytime soon? And I stopped right there. I'm not proud of myself. <laughs> I, mean, I, I did not prioritize it. And, and that is our lifeblood. That's the gift the Father gave to us at the birth of the church. We must never underscore the importance of that. Do you want to be built up? Do you want to follow the plan that God has for your life? Do you want to build upon the 20 floors that God has already established in your lofty existence in Him? Keep on praying in the Spirit. So it's up to us to do that individually. And um, I'm not trying to hammer this home, but in a way I kind of am. Every now and then, pastor has to exhort. You know? <laughs> I know it's hard for some of you to hear because I'm so nice and so kind. I tell jokes. I run around with little kids, you know. But I'm telling you, this is what we have to do. I have to do it. You have to do it. So take account. But the beauty of it is that because we're seeking after Thanks be to God, he opens the, the invitation for us to seek him in spirit and to know through the, the friend and the froneo, to understand through that breathing of the spirit, the deeper things of God in his word. <sighs> what a privilege to have such resources and such abundance. I am so grateful, and I'm grateful to be able to walk this pathway with, with all of you. So I'm going to ask Katie to move on up there to the Piani. And um, I'd ask Tammy to go to the organ, but that stopped working last week too. So we'll get that fixed. <laughs> ah, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Heavenly Father, as we now enter into a time of giving thanks to you. I speak over all of the saints in this house and in, in our, our wonderful family around the world. I want to say thank you, Father, for this walk and help us 